Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to deep dive again into Christchurch following on from our last episode where we talked about Addington and specifically uh, about a question, another question that a listener has uh, messaged in and they said, hey, uh, I've been been looking at Christchurch for, for a little while. I actually grew up in Christchurch, um, but I'm worried that there's oversupply in Christchurch at the moment with specifically a lot of new developments on the outskirts of the CBD. And this is really interesting, people thinking that uh, new houses are outstripping demand in Christchurch, as well as there has been talk of this kind of donut city concept, where there's been a lot of development uh, around the outskirts of Christchurch or in the suburbs of Christchurch, but not as much in the middle recently. And I think the reason for that is, is kind of quite obvious that we had the red zone in uh, in Christchurch directly after the earthquake and so there, there wasn't development happening in the city and development moved out to the suburbs and to the outskirts. But look, I think there are two questions I always ask myself and we're going to have a bit of a chat about this, is are these changes going to, going to last forever? It's true that of course there's been more development in the suburbs because of the red zone and where is Christchurch in its property cycle right now? But look, I also just want to put into context the fact that, of course, there's been a lot of development in Christchurch because of the earthquakes. And to put that into context, there are about 180 to 200,000 houses in Christchurch. At the time of the earthquake, 10,000 required demolishing and rebuilding, and 100,000 were damaged. So about half the housing stock in Christchurch were damaged. And there are people still living in earthquake-damaged houses right now. The the degree to which they are damaged varies between them. But I think when, when people outside of Christchurch hear that as well, uh, that there are still houses in need of repair, it's, it's kind of quite quite shocking. I mean, you, you talk, you've been here in Christchurch all your life, Andrew. I'm sure that people, uh, when you tell them that, also are a bit surprised. Yeah. Yes, you said. Now, what did you think about this specific uh, uh, question, Andrew? So, um, we I, I do get questions like this a wee bit, uh, just people who are looking and investing in Christchurch, and, and I think there's some kind of misconceptions around uh, an oversupply, and a part of this is the media. So... Um, I'll take Rollison for example because I, I know I've used this before, but just to just to go back on this, I remember uh, a newspaper article about five years ago coming out, and it said that there was an oversupply of properties in Rollison being being created, uh, and that there would be vacancies, huge vacancies. Now, my property management company must have between 100 and 150 properties out for their under management, I would guess, and. Um, I don't think we've got anything available right now. And so at, at that time as well, uh, you know, it might have taken a week for something to rent or two weeks maximum for something to rent. Uh, now they kind of get snapped up straight away anyway. So, so how come the media had this perception? And I think the reason for that is because the, 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 what they looked at is the fact that rent started coming back a little bit. Now, just immediately after the earthquake, you you basically wiped out a whole bunch of houses which couldn't be rented out. So all of a sudden there's fewer rentals available. Then add to the fact that you might need a house to rent while your house is being repaired. So you've got a whole lot of people who were never going to be tenants again because they own their own house, then they are becoming tenants. Now what um, what obviously happened was rents went up at an astronomical rate. So let's say the normal rent might have been say four fifty. All of a sudden, overnight, you could get eight hundred dollars for that. Now, what has to occur after that is as 
houses get repaired and people move back into their own house, that goes down a bit. And as more houses get built to replace the other ones, that goes down again. And so you had this sharp increase and then that that came back down to where it would normally be if you'd followed a normal trajectory. Now, the media takes, you know, the last six months and they say, well, rents dropped from, you know, say 500 to, or sorry, 550 to 400 or something like that or 450. And whilst it's gone to that normal kind of, it's stabilised and, and, and gone back to that normal rate, what it looks like is the the market's decreasing. And yes, it has in the short term, but actually in the long term it's gone up as it would have normally anyway. And so they looked at that, plus then they see all this building going on and say, well, that's the cause of it. And so it's a case of um, perhaps mistakenly attributing that to all these new builds. Now, I think that realistically uh, you are going to have properties out there in Christchurch which are pre-earthquake houses which will be less desirable. They'll be less desirable to buy and they'll be less desirable to rent. So you'll have you'll have a, a you know a, kind of like a leaky home, you'll have a quaky home. And um, there it won't be as drastic as leaky homes, but there will be a bit of a stigma with properties that were built prior to the earthquakes. And so if the if the rent that you're asking for as a as a property investor um, is is you know similar to that of an older house, which is probably true in most of the time, why would you live in an old house? And then you've got areas like Rolleston, which um, the amount of infrastructure that's going in there. There's uh, I think eight education centres out there now. All of a sudden, an area which didn't have a lot out there prior to the earthquakes has now got a whole lot more so all of a sudden people are willing to travel that extra 10 minutes from Hornby to get there and then you've got the new new motorway op- opening up uh, this year all these kind of things so it's easier to get to there's more stuff there um, and, and so so whilst I think that yes there is a lot of building going on um, there, there needed to be and then the other thing on that the thing to remember now is Finance is really tricky, and it's even trickier if you're a developer. So, if you're a building company and you're building, you know, you know, you build three hundred properties a year, you kind of need to have the end buyer already. So, gone are the days where you could go to the bank and say, "Hey, we need finance for three hundred properties a year, and we're going to sell them when they're finished," uh, because that level of speculation just doesn't work anymore. Because we had a GFC, and banks got really scared after that. So. And much more conservative now with you know responsible lending act and all those kind of things. So you don't have that same level of speculation that you once did. So for most properties that you're seeing being built, that's because someone signed up for it already, and someone might be making progressive payments or they might just be buying it when it's complete. But there's usually an end buyer for it. It's not that builders are just going out there and building stuff and then all of a sudden the dance is going to stop. And there are four things I just want to want to mention as well. The first, uh, just directly in, in relation to that point you were making about supply, is I was, I was having a really interesting conversation with the head of research at Core Logic uh, just a few few uh, days ago, and we were talking about supply versus demand. And the takeaway from this, from two people who look at data almost exclusively every day is how difficult it is to estimate supply and demand. We can look at net migration, we can look at population growth, um, but supply in particular is very difficult to 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 figure out whether the, you know what the supply is going to be in the future. You can't just look at consents, for instance. You can go out and look at how many consents have been granted 
uh, for new residential builds. But here are a couple of things. That, that, that figure doesn't account for the fact that if you have a consent for a new dwelling or some major works, that doesn't, that doesn't account for the fact that that might be replacing another home, specifically in Christchurch. There might be some uh, a, a consent granted, but you've ripped down an earthquake-damaged home in order to, uh, to build it. Similarly, not every consent that is granted turns into a house. That project might have been consented, but it didn't go ahead because it couldn't get finance or something like that. So when I see uh, uh, commentators taking consent data and saying, well, that's supply, that's not necessarily the case. And what I really want to look at is, is, is taking some of this core logic data and figuring out, well, how many how many consents actually turn into properties? Because what you've got to look at is how many properties are there actually out there that have got their code of compliance. Um, So that's the first thing. Really hard to figure out, well, what is supply and demand? And the only time you can really tell if there is an oversupply is if houses are not selling. And, and, and from that, you'd need to look at how many days it takes to sell a property. And they, it has been relatively consistent over time at about 30 days. So you might say, oh, there's, there's an oversupply because I see house prices dropping a bit, um, if, uh, like Andrew was just saying. But really, the true measure is how long does it take to sell a property? And are there houses left on the market for a long time? And we haven't seen that. The next I want to talk about is just to address that, that donut city sort of analogy we were talking about. Like, is Christchurch going to be... be um, uh, have an underdeveloped centre? Uh, and the answer to that, I think, is probably no. We've got, there is a project that is specifically run by council about trying to uh, bring people back to the centre of the city. It's called Project 8011. And we're actually going into the council uh, next Monday, Andrew, myself, and the general manager at, at OPAS, uh, to get an update on that so that we can can come back and say, well, hey, this is what is happening in the city centre. Because we can go and, and, and read and, and see the updates on line and we we dig into those but we want to get even more information to find out well how you know how many employees are going to be in the spark building what are we translating that to in terms of increased activity in the city center but our, my key message there is it's coming back and uh there are two more two more things the next is that canterbury is relatively uh we're, we're at, I would say in a in a slump, I guess, in terms of its property cycle. Property prices aren't decreasing; they're just flat, uh, which is what a slump kind of looks like for for a main centre. And so, although there may be relatively stable prices now, we are expecting that Christchurch is becoming more due for a bit of an increase. We're going to talk about that in a, in a future episode. And the last thing is is a little quote, which I know that you love in particular, Andrew, which comes from um, prolific investor Warren Buffett, which is, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And uh, I think what, what this kind of message from, from one of the listeners uh, kind of indicates is something we see quite a lot out in the market, which is some people, some investors, are a little bit, weary of Christchurch and to me that says that it's probably a great time to get into the market but let's wrap it up there thank you so much for listening to the to to the show and please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast boy it helps us get the message out to more and more people and if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I then why not check out our epic guide to mortgages this is a nine and a half thousand word guide that uh, specifically teaches you how to get a mortgage and then pay it off more quickly I'm going to link that to uh, that in the show notes Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.